0: Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at have Welcome to The Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's a nice day in Starville. I can't say it's a Chamber of Commerce quality day, but it's not raining today. And as of late, we've had a ton of rain, so any day that it's not raining is a really good day. Nice temperatures, maybe a light jacket type day. Hope that it's a good day where you are today, no matter where you are. And that reminds me, there are so many people around the globe that listen to the Boneyard. And I want to let you guys know, it's very nice to be able to give you guys a slice of home. And appreciate your support. The last thing that I saw is that people in 91 countries during uh, this year already, from January to February 28th, 29th, over 91 countries in all 50 states and including the, uh, U S territories, listen to the boneyard, And so thank you for supporting me and listening to the show. I I hope that you guys find it of interest and I hope that you find it informative and, and entertaining, but I love talking about Mississippi state. So we'll continue to do this. been very happy, uh, with the current company that I'm with as far as our podcast servicing goes. And, um, just one of those things that happens, you know, you got to pay the bills at some point, you know, so uh, it's nice to have some people that uh, can help with all that. So uh, thank you guys very much for your support. And uh, it, it, it was an interesting weekend for Mississippi State. We're going to break it all down. We're going to look at baseball, We're gonna look at women's basketball, men's basketball. I, I'm, I'm just going to shoot you straight, tell you exactly how I feel it. I'm not going to cookie cut anything or, or uh, sugarcoat it, let you know that uh, things are some some way they're not. But it was, for the most part, a very successful weekend for Mississippi State. You know, I know there's some people that are kind of have a burr in a saddle this morning because we lost to Don Staley in South Carolina. I, you know, I'm going to give you some frank and, and earnest comments about that as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think we achieved the best possible scenario for ourselves over the weekend. I mean, based on the, the talent available on both rosters, I really believe. Finishing second in the SEC tournament is what Mississippi State needed to do to ensure we didn't drop off the free line. I don't know that would happen anyway, but I think you have lived up to expectations by making it to Sunday in the SEC Women's Tournament. We'll talk more about that after the break. I want to thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, and man, I love going in there. I really do. I, I was a patron of Bulldog Burger Company long before they were a sponsor of the show, and so it was a wonderful partnership, and it has been, and I hope that it continues for many years. really like the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. Go by, check them out. Now we're two locations that serve you. Always the flagship here on University Drive, and now that new location on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Not to say there won't be some expansion down the road, you never know. You may have a Bulldog Burger Company empire. Go by, try the new specials and start well they're trying some new menu items and they'll eventually make the menu in, in both places. But go by have those Bulldog Burger company nachos. Go check those out and maybe try that brownie jubilee or and maybe, and maybe you don't want to eat that heavy or that rich for dessert, but get you one of those uh, get you one of those shakes to go. I know I know when I bring my girls up there, that's what they do. I got a couple college girls in my family, and about the only time that I can ever see them is when I invite them to join me for dinner at Bulldog Burger Company. And they always leave with one of those shakes. That's a great that's a great dessert, because you can take it with you. Bulldog Burger Company, now with two locations to serve you, on Star and Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's go ahead and unpack the weekend for women's basketball. That's what everybody's talking about. Huh? If, you, if you look at social media, God, I, don't, I don't know that Vic can win the big one. You know, Vic's won a lot of big ones. You know, and I read some comments about that this morning because, they said, well, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get over the hump. Folks, Vic Schaefer is the best coach, regardless of sport, on the Mississippi State campus. Vic Schaefer is one of the best coaches that Mississippi State has ever had in any sport. Will he win a national championship? I believe that he will right here at Mississippi State. He won one as an assistant at Texas a and He knows what it takes to get there. He understands. We're a missed layup and a missed foul call away from one and one a couple of years ago. So, to begin to kind of, you know, to see that some people kind of doubt Vic, I think it's a little short sighted. And we become prisoners of the moment. You know, it's like, well, we get so invested in this. And people forget we really weren't expected to be number two in the SEC this year. Most people were, were forecasting Texas AM to finish ahead of Mississippi State. They didn't. And maybe some of that's got to do with the fact that Kennedy Carter. Uh, was out some fray and them. One of the best players in our league. But the bottom line is, it's it's part of the deal. Injuries are part of the game of basketball and baseball and football. Injuries are part of the deal. That's People say, Well, you know, if so and so hadn't got injured, well, that just goes to show you the other team had better depth than you. That's how it works. It is a war of attrition, and you're going to have some people get banged up and bruised up along the way. Mississippi State's had some of that. That's part of the deal. But the fact that we are number two in the SEC, and we are really at the beginning of a new talent cycle. You know, it's like, you remember how we felt when Victoria Vivian's and those guys became to be the stars of this program? You could see that building. And that's kind of where we are now. It's like we, we have grown accustomed you know, to challenging for a regional final. And so no, we haven't had a year kind of like this. We kind of recalibrated again. But you see, Rakia Jackson is becoming the star of this team. You see, a, a, it's what you look at up and down this roster. You, you're going to lose Jordan Danbury, but you're going to return everybody else. And you got Matharu growing up right in front of your guy, your eyes. And you got Maya Taylor, who has really become a really hard-nosed point guard. And the best is really yet to come for her. So you see, you can kind of see that our, our better years are ahead. South Carolina has recruited a high level too. However, South Carolina is going to lose some very important pieces. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I saw some absolutely disgusting comments from some Mississippi State folks about Herbert Harrigan. I can't sit here and, and, uh, and, and tell you how to act or whatever, but my, but my goodness. And she is a, a very, very, very talented player. I don't know if you know this, but she, um, she was interested in being a grad transfer to Mississippi State and then elected to stay at South Carolina. I wonder how our feelings about her would, would have been if uh, she had elected to come here. And it's one of those things, it's kind of like the, the angst about Dawn Staley. You know, I, I look at all of that and, and I, I know that Dawn Staley was a tremendous basketball player. When her Lisa Leslie and then really began, you know, the WNBA, they were kind of the pioneers of, of that. And uh, Dawn Staley is one of the best women's basketball coaches in America, as is Vic Schaefer. And this year, South Carolina is simply better than Mississippi State. You got Ty Harris, who I think has been a bit inconsistent at times, but she is a senior and she has played well against Mississippi State this year. And so they have some very talented players that will move on this year. And and I, I'm going to call it right now. I think Mississippi State's going to win the SEC next year. And then there'll be people saying, well, you know, can Vic win the big one? And then, then you know, the narrative will change. But this is a transition year for us, and I think, it, I think it's important to look at it through that lens. I won't say that we're overachieving just because of the fact that I think Vic Schaefer has um, has raised the standard to such a point that Mississippi State fans expect us to host, expect us to be competing for the SEC championship every year. And I suspect that will continue, at least for the next you know two to three years, because when you begin to look at the freshmen on this team, and the sophomores, this is a team that's built to last. So let's look at yesterday's game. Let's, let's back up a little bit, uh, just, just a little bit, okay? Let's talk about how we got there. You know, um, we take down LSU Friday night, a little bit of a struggle for a while, and then we put them away and win by 30, could have won by much more. Kentucky, sluggish start for Mississippi State, and then we go out and get them. And there there were many people, um, Mississippi State fans included, that said, you know what, I really was hoping to get Kentucky for the revenge factor. I think, again, we've shown we're we're better than them. It's tough to go to Lexington and play. It just is. They're, They're very good at home. Everybody is, but it's just kind of a weird deal. I don't know what it is about that, but they do a great job at home. Mississippi State has struggled in Lexington more than once. But you get them on a neutral floor, and you win 77-59. And I don't think there was any question in the second half of that ballgame who was the better team. And at that point, I felt that anything else was a bonus. And, man, how great would it have been to beat South Carolina. I know after we went to Columbia and played as well as we did, and and you begin to think, man, if we can get on a neutral floor. and, And listen, I get it. Greenville, South Carolina, is still a partisan crowd. But it's not Columbia. It's a little different. But we didn't play well. Bottom line, we didn't play well. But we were where we needed to be. We legitimized ourselves, even in the transition year, as a power within this conference and a very competitive team nationally. So let's just kind of look at a few things from yesterday before we kind of move on here. Um, you know, we, we keep talking about Madaru. 17 points, and then goes into the postgame press conference in tears, and uh, I read Vic's comments, and our, our colleague Robbie Falk was there. You can read, he has a great column uh, about the future of Mississippi State basketball and kind of following Madaru's passion and that sort of stuff. And listen, she is a rising star. Her and Rekia Jackson are going to be one of the best tandems in the country. But she pitches in 17 points in 18 minutes. Again, she is she's instant offense. She is so incredibly efficient. She goes into the game with a scorer's mentality. She's not going in there just trying to get warmed up or trying to get loose or whatever and get in the flow of the game. She's coming off the bench firing. 7 of 14 from the floor, 3 of 8 from 3. Pulled down a few rebounds. did get in a little bit of foul trouble. And that's one of the things, probably the biggest hole in her game, if you want to call it that because it's all born really out of enthusiasm and effort, is there are times she gambles a little bit defensively and then ends up fouling. And a lot of it, she's just trying to make a play for her team. That'll come in time. That'll come with coaching. She will mature and be a great defender for us. And, and again, a lot of that that is is that she wants to win. Great player, a future star in this league. She's already there. That's the thing, too. I can't wait to see what she does in the tournament. Not, probably not going to play a lot of teams with the same caliber of uh, players as she saw yesterday, unless we get maybe to like a regional final or something. South Carolina's link bothered us a little bit yesterday. But uh, I think Matharo, again, I, th- I think she, she to me, Rekia Jackson is the story of the year. But I think Matharo is the one you look at and say, you know what, we, we were kind of wondering about next year, who was going to kind of step up. We know. Even though this year's not over, we know. And you look at jemiah Mingo Young, you begin to think, you know, this young tandem trio here, pardon me, you've got some really talented players that are forming a very young nucleus as the future of Mississippi State women's basketball. And the future, in many respects, is now, but I really expect our 2021 team to be a team that can challenge for a national championship. I, I, I really think we are a bona fide Final Four team next year. Jordan Danbury, with 11 points yesterday. Not a great day from the from the field. And again, I think their links bothered her a little bit. You know, a lot of times those, you know, those jumpers in the lane that she knocks us down with regularity, just four of fourteen from the floor. But you know, we're going to get an NCAA tournament, and Joe and Joe jo will be, will be Joe. Rakia Jackson, just nine points. And you know, not a great shooting night for her either. Four of twelve from the floor. Jessica Carter it was really, really a non factor and that's disappointing. I think I think some of the size at South Carolina intimidated her a little bit because she's used to seeing, you know, one big out there, but South Carolina that, you know, they they can stack you up down there. And I think it really gave Carter some trouble. She did have the eight rebounds but just five points. And in this offense and with her ability to, to wall out, she's got to do better than five points. She's got to be able to get in there and make plays offensively. Uh, Yamaya Morris came in, and I I think she has really kind of emerged uh, as a real help side defender there. But also too, you know, 21 minutes of action, and she pitches in, uh, you know, six points and four rebounds, and uh, three blocks, and also uh, pretty pretty solid uh, interaction there with uh, with Herbert Harrigan. And again, I don't have a problem with that. I, I I was in baseball when that was all going on. I watched it all unfold, and I see people being critical of both players it is okay for the ladies to play with some passion, too. It's one of those things. I, I don't have a problem with any of that competitive fire. It shows to me that it means something to them. I think that I am perfectly okay. I didn't think it was unsportsmanlike. I know some other people did. Uh, but, you know, I like the fact that Morris is like, I don't really care who you are or, or how many uh, rings you have or what you've accomplished. You're not going to come in here and disrespect me. But also I understand Herbert Harrigan standing up for her teammate. That's just part of the competitive juice, man. That's okay. It's completely fine. I think the story of the game yesterday, is there's really a couple of bylines here. State didn't shoot it well. South Carolina played great defense, forced some tough shots. We didn't shoot it well. And we struggled to get to the line. And some people would say, well, you know, Steve, I think the referees were biased for South Carolina. I did not get to watch all the games we're covering a baseball game, having to kind of watch over our shoulder. I didn't, I didn't have that sense. I think when we play them, we've got to find a way to get to the line. Uh, they were able to get to the line 16 of 24 from the free throw line, state 7 of 10. You know, so they made more than we attempted. And a lot of that, too, is, you know, I think at times that uh, some of our younger players were a little bit intimidated to take the ball inside. And when you start getting shots blocked and you start, you know, the crowd gets into it and stuff, it it kind of gets to you. But when you look at this, uh, you know, South Carolina team, you know, four players in double figures, Herbert Harrigan with 15, uh, Bria Bill with a dozen, Ty Harris with 10, Zia Cook with 10. You know, they've got a young nucleus too, but they're going to lose a lot more than Mississippi State is next year. And so now we, uh, we kind of wait and see what's going to happen next. And, uh, you know, all of the... You know, Charlie Cream is the definitive expert. You know, a lot of other people out there have opinions, but uh, Charlie is kind of the guy, the go-to guy, when it comes to bracketology for the women's side. They still have Mississippi State, you know, solid host team as a three. We will find out the bracket a week from today. It, it's, one, it's one of those weird things. I don't know why we can't get everybody on the same calendar, because it's not like we're playing outside. We're playing in the gymnasium, but that we, so we play the SEC tournament, and then we wait a week. And uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you need rest and get your legs back on you. But uh, it is interesting, you know, the men will play the, the SEC tournament and then find out on Selection Sunday where they're headed. You know, the ladies on this side, because of when the SEC tournament is, have to wait a week. And so we will find out 6 p.m. next Monday on ESPN. I'm sure they'll have a big thing at Humphrey Coliseum, so if you want to go ahead and plan ahead. But that's when we find out where we're playing, which we assume will be Humphrey Coliseum. I think anything beyond that would be a shock, and who we're playing. So that's where we are. It has been already been a successful year as far as the regular season accolades and the SEC tournament results. And now it's time to see if this team can get to a Sweet 16. I said from the beginning that I felt like Sweet 16 might be the ceiling for this team. Now the fact that we get to play at home, I think, Uh, skews things in that direction. And then you just kind of see how things go on matchups. But um, this Mississippi State team is beginning to grow and mature. And we'll see what happens. But I think if we can hang another Sweet 16 banner, considering the fact that we're beginning a new talent cycle, and considering what we lost last year, I think that is a a tremendous season. But I know many of you want more. You're not going to be satisfied with just winning a Sweet 16. You want to hope that we can get back to the Final Four. I share the hope I don't know how probable that is, but you never know what's going to happen when you put the bracket together. There are upsets along the way. And one of the things that I have learned about women's basketball, and it is incredible, there is such a disparity at times between the haves and the have-nots. Now, if You want to look for blowouts, you look for women's basketball. I don't know that that happens in NCAA tournament, but there are so many quality mid-major teams out there that are well-coached, you could see some upsets out there. So. We'll look for that. And again, you just never know. At the bottom line is you take what's in front of you and and you go win those games. And then hopefully along the way, you, you get a break somewhere. Because I think this team might need a break or two to really advance beyond the Sweet 16. And that's not to say that they're a bad team. I just don't know if we are a national elite team this year. I believe we have nationally elite talent. But that talent is still maturing and developing. And I think next year, you're really going to see that. want to remind you guys, too, I have made the jump to Hawthorne. And one of those things that happens when you're a young man in life is nobody really explains to you how important cologne buying is. Sometimes you just kind of go with, uh, with the trends or what you're reading about magazines and advertisements, that sort of stuff. Huh? You know, you grow and you mature, and you figure out that you have to have things that work for you, things that work with your chemistry. And so let me encourage you to visit hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E eco C-O there is a quiz you can take. You put in your own personal preferences and then they will pair you up with the products that best fit your needs. You can get cologne, you can get body wash, you can get shampoo, conditioner, uh, you can get uh, face moisturizer. I mean, there's anything that you need for men's personal hair care, uh, personal care, you can get right there. Personal health care. You can find it right there. You're going to like the way you smell and so are the people around you. And we'll give you a little incentive by being a loyal Boneyard listener. Use promo code Boneyard. That'll save you 10% off your first order. You can get replenishing shipments set up, or you can do it just kind of buy it as you need it. But you're go- once you try it, you're going to love it. You're going to keep it very manly scent. I love the cologne. It is, I believe, the best cologne that I have ever used in my life. Again, that's hawthorne.co. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Promo code MONEYARD. So let's get into the, the men's side of things. The men's tournament will kick off this week. Mississippi State, probably in a better... If we're being fair, our standing within the SEC tournament, probably a little bit better than, than initial expectations. Well, I don't know that we've had the season we had hoped to have, but we're right there with a the double bye. We don't play again until Friday. We'll get a chance to get our legs under us. And so we get that because of the fact that we had you know Florida loses and then we beat Ole Miss. And any time that we can beat Ole Miss in anything, it's a good time. And uh, this is interesting. We dug this up just kind of sitting around on press row uh, you know, after the ball game. Mississippi State allows 44 points in the ball game. That is the lowest point total scored against Mississippi State this year. Two opponents went 45. UL Monroe, pause for emphasis sake for those of you that uh, are not fans. 62-45 winners against UL Monroe, and then we absolutely destroyed Missouri and the Ole Miss uh, fighting Rebels, they were able to muster 44 points. So the lowest total allowed this year was in the rivalry game against Ole Miss. Uh, I think that, number one, that says that we understood the urgency. We also understood that it's senior day and uh, expected to be the last home game of the regular season for Reggie Perry. I I still think that there's basketball that's to be played in Humphrey Coliseum on the men's side. Uh, attendance, a little bit of a, you know, disappointment, 7,569, kind of behind what we did last year, <laughs> just to say the least, both of us had better seasons last year, played earlier in the year, a lot higher expectations, Mississippi State wins the ball game, 69-44, I finished up over in baseball and caught a second half and hump at the hump, and, um, at that point, it really seemed like that it was just a matter of us finishing out the game, stayed up 39-25 at the half. We come out in the second half and hold Ole Miss to 19 points. 19 points in the second half. Now, we didn't have an offensive masterpiece by any stretch. You know, we scored 30. But when you hold an SEC opponent to 19 second half points, that is getting it done. That is flat out getting it done. Now, you could say, well, you know, Ole Miss playing out of string. Ole Miss had already accepted their fate. Uh, And that may be true, and that sounds good in a tweet. But what about, what about your own personal pride? You're going to sit there and just get beat on and beat on and beat on and beat on? I don't, I don't buy it. I think bottom line, Mississippi State's just a better team. And I think Mississippi State also is playing better basketball right now. I think Mississippi State learned a lot after getting embarrassed in Oxford. You can look at how Mississippi State defended and Tyree. Much different situation for him. He absolutely destroyed State the first time. and Tyree this time, just 11 points. Nine points off of his season average. He was averaging 20 points a game coming in. Held to 11, and really just not a factor. 39 minutes, 4 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 6 in his three-pointers, and that came late. Couldn't get to the line, made a couple free throws, pulled down seven rebounds, only committed to one foul. Had three turnovers against one assist. Just wasn't a good game. That guy couldn't really play. And I'm not running those numbers out to suggest that perhaps that – He's not a good player. I just think the you know, goes to show you State was able to take the best option away in the Ole Miss offense and force somebody else to beat them, and they couldn't do it. They only had two players in double figures. Devontae Fuller with 16, and that was a very quiet 16. Outside of that, they only had three other players score. They only had three players record a point in the game. Kadim Saai got the better of abdul in Oxford, and I didn't think he was close. I thought a dude did a much better job this time. I think he probably took that as a personal challenge. Side with only eight points. KJ Buffin, and, and you know the six points. I, I, I don't see the allure. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Great athlete, plays hard. Uh just the skill level is just not at all what people have suggested it would be. And I remember last time, last year when Ole Miss came. To the Humphrey Coliseum, Blake Henson absolutely goes off. And after that ball game, I remember some people on in-state radio and and in the N state press said Blake Henson is a future NBA player, and he very well may be. But he went scoreless on Saturday, played 26 minutes as a starter, goes 0 of 9 from the floor, 0 of 6 from the three-point line, didn't get to the free-throw line, pulls down four rebounds, commits four fouls, has four turnovers, no assists, one block, and a steal, and a big goose egg on the scoreboard. Mississippi State shut him down. Austin Crowley pitches in three. Makes three free throws. Didn't record a shot from the floor. You want to talk about getting it down on defense? That's what Mississippi State did on Saturday. Now, now everybody says, well, Steve, what does that do for our tournament chances? Well, it keeps them alive. It doesn't get us in. It just keeps us in the conversation. And I really felt like in the post game, you know, just talking to Tyson Carter and those guys, it was more than just senior day. They understand how important this game is. Not just the rivalry game, but it's the next game. It's the game we got to win to keep the dream alive. And again, Reggie Perry, we're, we're going to miss Reggie Perry next year. I you, I read some of these comments sometimes from people, and I'm just flabbergasted. People, well, Reggie Perry's not playing hard. They're, Listen, there are times he gets a little bit disinterested in playing, but usually it's when the game has been decided. When the game is on line, I think Reggie Perry has been Mississippi State's best player. You know, not named Quindary Witherspoon, perhaps, for the last decade. Reggie Perry can play. Reggie, with 22 points and 14 rebounds, commits one foul. Commits one foul. Did have some turnovers. Got to clean that up. But I thought offensively, very, very good. 7 of 13 from the floor. 8 of 9 from the free throw line. And it was apparent that they were going to have trouble flowing him down inside. And we took full advantage. Nick Weatherspoon with 11 points. Robert Woodard, the second, also with 11. Tyson Carter with nine. Not one of his better games. But you know what? You walk out with a one over Ole Miss. You keep your NCAA tournament hopes alive. You feel really good about that. Abdul will do 31 minutes. Nine rebounds, three personal fouls. And I thought one of those was really, 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 really questionable. Four blocks, a steal. He is just an intimidator inside. Late in the ball game, I don't remember who it was. It was one of the Ole Miss guards, somebody that they had freed themselves, and they're going to the lane, and uh, a dude knocked it back r- right in their face. And uh, it's one it was one of those moments, if we had had a crowd at the hump, that would have electrified the the facility. I still think we're going to have basketball to play at the hump. Um, We'll talk about what needs to happen, you know, next. But, um, you know, you've got the SEC tournament coming up. And uh, with the win, Mississippi State now four. So let's kind of look at the roadmap of how this whole thing plays out. Mississippi State, again, will not play until Friday. Will not play until Friday. And there will be people that will be like, when you look at the tournament brackets trying to figure it out, you can, you can enjoy the tournament knowing you don't really have a rooting interest until Friday. now I, And again, I'll share with you guys, I love the SEC tournament in, in, a, in every sport. I, I really do. I love it. I'll The TV will be on all day, and I'll watch every one of those games and feel good about life because I realize how important it all is. But It's one of those things, too, when you look at it and you begin to realize, too, man, it's all about to be over. So the whole thing gets underway on Wednesday. Uh, Georgia and Ole Miss will be game one. That'll be 6 p.m. Central. And that is of, of interest to Mississippi State because of the fact the winner of that game it joins our line in the bracket. The winner of the Georgia-Ole Miss game will take on Florida. Ole Miss split with Florida. So it'd be interesting. Now, I don't know if Ole Miss is engaged and ready to play or not, but I think once they get to Nashville, they're going to be fired up and ready to go. I just don't know if they got the talent to pull it off, but you know we we could conceivably see uh, a rematch of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But Georgia Ole Miss, the winner takes Florida, and then the winner of that game will play Mississippi State at two o'clock central. Two o'clock central. On Friday, kind of plan ahead. I believe in order for Mississippi State to have any chance at an at-large bid, you got to win that game no matter who it is. Well, it's Georgia, old Mister Florida. You got to win that game. I don't know that that gets us in, but I think that gets us, keeps us in the conversation. If we win that game and there's not a bunch of uh, bid stealers out there, you have a chance. Then you have number one seed, Kentucky, and I'm, I'm assuming that they'll get by Alabama or Tennessee. That's who Kentucky plays in top half of the bracket. If Mississippi State gets to Sunday, I think we're a lock to get in the tournament because of the fact that we will have beaten uh, two of the top three SEC teams in the net rankings, being Florida and Kentucky. Auburn is the one we wouldn't face. In the net right now, Kentucky is 21st, and they are the highest-ranked SEC team in the net at 21. That's your regular season SEC champion. SEC is getting no respect this year. Simple as that. 27 is Auburn, and then Florida is 28. So you would have an opportunity to pick up two wins against the top 30 in the net. I think that puts Mississippi State in. I think, but it's easier said than done. We're just talking math here. You got to go beat Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? You got you to beat Florida, who's a very talented young team. And they're going to remember the fact that State went in there and beat them at their place. So it is not one of those things you look at and say, oh, yeah, we'll definitely win that game. That's going to be an absolute barn burner. I mean, it is. We're going to have to play really well. And hopefully we can benefit from the fact that we've had to play two games in two days. But Mississippi State needs to win at least one game to have any prayer of being an at-large bid. State currently number 50 in the net. 50. Ben Howland has said all along he'd feel a lot more comfortable if he was in the low 40s. You win a couple of these games, you're easily at the top in the low 40s just don't know how feasible that is. And we'll take it a day at a time. We'll, we'll get into Wednesday. We'll have an idea of, uh, of who Mississippi State uh, will we'll be looking at as far as playing because we'll have the first round of the tournament you uh, in the books. But um, not a lot to look forward to if you're, you know, Georgia, old Miss, Vanderbilt, or Arkansas. You're just trying to prolong the season. I know Jerry Stackhouse of Vanderbilt has had them playing uh, much better as of late. You look at Arkansas down there as the 11th seed, 19 and 12, 7 and 11. There are a lot of people around the country that felt Arkansas was a better NCAA tournament hopeful than Mississippi State. And they're 11th, 11th in the conference. Alabama's 9, Mississippi State ends up 4. And again, the SEC standings don't factor in the NCAA tournament selection process. But if you begin to look at this, the fact that now State is in a situation where we have the opportunity to pick up a quality win or two, you really like where your seating is. She would like to have a couple of those games back, but it is what it is. And Ben Howen said uh, on Saturday night, you know, listen, we understand we're going in there looking to win the tournament. That's what we're looking to do. And when you look at it through that lens, you begin to think, okay, having the double buy is huge. You know, we're one of those teams that needs to win a game or two to strengthen our case. And in any event we pick up a win or two, they're going to be against teams that are in the NCAA tournament. So that's big. For those of you, too, that uh, struggle, we mentioned men's health a little bit earlier. There are some others that that kind of struggle with different elements of men's health. If you're a person that suffers with erectile dysfunction, let me encourage you to visit our friends at Get Roman. There are a lot of people around this country, and listen, there's a lot of things going on right now with health in the United States and around the world. It's more difficult than ever to get in to see a doctor. It is. In major cities, the average wait time to get a doctor's appointment is 29 days, 29 days. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you don't want to wait 29 days. You might have a big date. So our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your very own state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get treatment when you need, on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer and complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment's right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you free in two days. You get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor at any time, and you have questions, or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, go to Roman. That's right, GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. That's dot com forward slash Boneyard for a free online visit and two-day shipping. And I get it. Sometimes it can be a little bit embarrassing. Maybe you're not comfortable talking to your regular physician about this. This is a discreet way for you to handle it on your own. No point waiting 29 days and suffering in silence. Enjoy the best of life. Visit our friends at GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. So let's uh, move on here. And let's talk a little baseball. We've got Mississippi State baseball over the weekend. We won the, uh, we swept uh, Quinnipiac. And I, I, I have read so many different, you know, pronunciations or whatever. It's Quinnipiac because it was Quinnipiac. It's an Indian word. It's Quinnipiac. We've had fun saying it. I have not had fun of writing it. I'm glad that we don't have to talk about that for a while. I thought we played well at times. We showed some flashes. There are other times very, very, very frustrating. It's early in the season. We've had some, some changes in the lineup. We miss Tanner Allen. We do. Man, a healthy Tanner Allen uh, makes life better for all of us. But Quinnipiac came in here and actually pitched it pretty well. And some of that is a byproduct of them having some experience and talented arms. And others, the fact that Mississippi State offensively is not what we want to be. And as Chris Mona says regularly, the game is playing. us a little hard right now. You know, we've we've hit some balls really hard, but right at some folks. We we'll go back here and uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you know the weekend. Friday night, that's a big win. Uh, you know, five-one win, and uh, the story is Christian McLeod again. And with all of the things that we're not exactly happy about with Mississippi State baseball, the one thing we are happy about is that Christian McLeod is the, is living up to expectations. I have heard for two years that Christian McLeod is a future first-rounder. I have heard that more time. And listen, I've heard that a, a lot about other players before, too, and, and they have not always lived up to that billing. And you see a guy like Christian McLeod go out there week in and week out, no matter who the competition is, and mow people down. That's what we're seeing. And it's one of those things, too, people say, well, you know, Steve, the quality of competition, and a lot of those people don't know baseball. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you know, Quinnipiac is going to be make a run for the NCAA tournament because they're not. They've got some talented players, but they're not. rebuild mode. they lost a lot last year. But that doesn't affect Christian McLeod's ability to throw strikes. I mean, Christian McLeod is absolutely devastated." He is everything that you expect a weekend starter to be. He is around the plate. He doesn't walk people. He gets soft contact. He gets a ton of strikeouts. Christian McLeod, now four and zero on the year, threw up a ton of zeros. <laughs> I mean, it is—it's one of those things when he when he pitches. I think Mississippi State fans are kind of saying, you know what, we expect to win that game because McLeod's on the hill. Reminds me of like when Dakota Hudson was here when Paul Mulholland was here, you know, you need that bona fide Friday night guy, not just a gritty gutty guy that can go gut it out for you, but a guy that's going to be an elite guy that's going to shut people down, even <clears throat> including great offenses. Quinnipiac, not a great offense, but with the way that we're struggling a little bit offensively, it places more of a premium on pitching. Josh Hatcher kind of got us started on Friday with a big two-run home run. Hatcher had a huge weekend. That's the thing you look at. I mean, we moved him around a lot. Of all the guys in our order, he's probably moved the most. Josh goes 7-14 on a weekend. It's 500. Had two three-hit games. That's getting it done. Jordan Westberg hits a home run uh, in the fifth. Solo home run to make it 3-0. Logan Tanner drives in to run. Low 10, that's uh, kids get ready. Logan, we had heard about Logan Tanner in the fall. You know, Hancock's been a little bit banged up, and what a luxury it's been to have a very talented freshman like Logan Tanner at a very important position. Cameron James also drives in a, uh, a run. Cam James, I, I'm still in the Cam James trend, and there's going to be some up and down with young players. You might as well get ready. There's going to be up and down with young players. Goodness, there's up and down with junior players. Cameron James, not your typical freshman. Ran into his dad, left field lounge this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and take it now. Your kids, maybe a year or two, they're going to want those Cameron James jerseys. I'm not, people say, oh, Steve, you're jinxing him. I don't believe in jinxes. That kid can play. That guy can play. All right, so let's look at the pitcher numbers here. So we take down Christian Nicolosi, who's been pretty good for them. But McLeod goes six innings, allows just two hits, strikes out 12, walks one on 82 pitches. When we get into SEC play, now you can kind of extend him a little bit. Probably could go seven innings. Probably could have gone then, but, you know, there's no point in taxing him this early. Uh, Carlock Castler goes a couple of innings, gives up a solo home run, but you know what? With a five run lead, just go out there and throw strikes, go challenge hitters, let them get themselves out. Spencer Price comes in, throws the night, gets out of that in- inning, four pitches, three outs and four pitches, a ground out, two ground outs and a fly out. And then the game is over. And so now you're thinking, okay, well, you know, offensively, you know, we ought to be raking these kids, but we didn't. We did get nine hits, and but we struggled to get the time we hit. Most of the offense came, you know, with a couple of home runs. You know, Cam James comes up and uh, makes a play there in the seventh. You know, and I think that, that kid's got some clutch in him. I really do. You know, Cam comes in there and makes some things happen, you know. And, uh, again, he's your future shortstop. We get into Saturday, and, uh, and that's a 5-4 ball game, and uh, a lot more dramatic than we had hoped for, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. We expected to be in much better shape. We did not pitch it very well out of the bullpen. Will Bednar was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. That that was the big thing. Everybody's thinking, man, this kid's been good at a relief, but, man, we're going to start him on a weekend. And I thought Will Bednar was great, and that's the thing when JT again – being done for the season, you begin to think about, okay, you've got to have some, one of these young guys is going to have to step up. Bednar has been outstanding in every outing this year. You move him to Saturday, get him a weekend start before you get into SEC play, which is helpful. But he was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Offensively, we were not outstanding. Throw up three zeros. Not a lot of traffic on the base path, you know. Just, just you know, we hit the balls hard, and it seemed like okay, it's just a matter of time before we get to this guy, and then we didn't. Foskey uh, gets us in. You know, Josh Hatcher has the double, and then what uh, was a triple? I can't. I can't. Let me look. This to be double. I don't, I don't want to speculate here. Let's make sure we're right about this. I can't remember. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, Hatcher doubled, and then goes third on throwing error, which was the right decision. That's the right score decision. And Bosque hits a ground ball, gets a run home. That's good situational hitting by a veteran guy. And now it's a one out ball game. You certainly felt like we should be farther ahead, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, the way Bull Bednar was dealing, you're thinking, okay, we should be okay. He didn't give up a hit to the fifth inning. Think about that for a second. Freshman kid from Pennsylvania coming down here, uh, play, pitching the very first start of his college career and then has a no-hitter, through four innings. That dog a hunt, right? So he goes five and a third. We pull him. He gives up two hits, and then eventually there's a run charge to him. Bring in Jared Jimper to kind of get the lefty-left matchup. It didn't work out. We give up the hit. He gives up a run. Pull him, Raleigh self comes in. And then it was like, and, and, you know, I have read some of these things on uh, social media. Uh, Raleigh didn't give up in our run because it was like, uh, the circus had kind of come to town. We just couldn't make plays, tons of errors. And that it just seemed like, you know, three errors in the inning leads to four runs. And, uh, now we're behind in the game. And it's, so it's four one. And we come right back in the sixth and, um, Josh Hatcher scores again. And that's the byproduct of being on base all the time. Josh Hatcher scores again, and that's a 4-2 ball game. And you're thinking, okay, we got we got to make something happen here. We get into the seventh, and then Cameron James hits a home run. There's that young guy again, stepping up in a big moment, hits a home first pitch he sees. He absolutely hits a laser into the lounge. Now, all of a sudden, it's a 4-3 ball game. And you begin to think to yourself, okay, we're going to get the top of the order up again. And have a chance to win this ball game. David Longstreet comes in. Side armor. B- wrecking ball guy. He just couldn't pitch against Mississippi State. And listen, I've read the debates online. And um, you know, one, listen, one of the things that I get tired of. And, and, and I'll, it's my show, so I'll say it. I get so tired of Mississippi State fans trying to apologize for us winning a ball game. You know, Mississippi State didn't compensate the officials. Mississippi State didn't compensate the home plate umpire. That pitch to Mason Land was off the plate. It's as simple as that. You're not even looking straight on angle from the outfield. The camera's offset to the right. And even with that, you can see that pitch is a little bit inside. Not to mention the umpire's right on it. Also, forget the fact that there was only one out in it. The, the whole inning, there was only one out recorded. And that was Cameron James, I believe, that hit a little soft liner to open up the ninth. Let me double check that to make sure that I'm right. I'm almost positive it's right. Yeah, Cameron James pops out to second base on an 0 1 count. Then we bring in Tanner Leggett, and he's hit by the pitch. So now the tying run is on. Mason Land pinch hits for Cummins. He walks, he earns a base on balls. Colton Bender rejected, arguing balls and strikes probably could have been ejected early into the game for arguing balls and strikes as a hitter. It's all part of the deal. But it's one of those things, too, I know it's like, but Steve, how will I seem cool to all of my Twitter friends if I don't come out of here and say that this borderline pitch was a ball? I, I don't know why that matters anyway. I mean who who cares what other people think? The home plate umpire called it a ball. It is a good pitch. It's right there on the borderline. He calls it inside. It's been inside all day. It is what it is. There's no need for us to apologize for winning a ballgame. If you want to be upset and say, you know what, we shouldn't have been down uh, in the ninth inning to Act, then that's a fair assessment. But don't sit here and say we shouldn't have won a ballgame because we should. Because you know what? Walks and hit by pitches are part of the game. It's part of the game of baseball. If you don't go up there and execute pitches, you lose. And here's the thing, too, when you look at what, you know, David Longstreet, I'm sure, is a, is a great guy. He's not... The moment was too big for him. So, Leggett's hit by the pitch. Again, that's longer, Longstreet. You get the pop-up. You hit a guy. You walk a guy. Now, all of a sudden, you got the time run and the go-ahead run on base. You have put them on base. The home plate umpire didn't put them on base. You did, because you didn't execute pitches. Then you walk Roddy Jordan. Now, all of a sudden... The bases are loaded. And then you hit Jordan right, So now the game is tied, and the bases are still loaded. You bring the infield in. Josh Hatcher cues one out there past second, and then nobody covers first base. And so we win without a play. So why are we so focused on that one pitch? There were a lot of other opportunities after that one pitch to get out, and Longstreet couldn't do it. State wins the game without apology. We get into Sunday and, uh, you know, listen, Eric Sarantola started out pitching pretty well. And then it all went south pretty quickly. It's like, you know, we get three innings in and then we get to the fourth and we just couldn't get anybody out. And he was missing big, couldn't couldn't land his breaking ball. It's off-speed stuff. It's like, He was slowing his arm down. I thought his mechanics changed when he – to me, it was very obvious he was throwing the changeup. I thought he was tipping the pitch. Rather than trusting the grip, he starts slowing his arm down, and then as a result, those changeups are being left up, and they were hitting him. But we pull Sarantola, and David Dunleavy comes in and is outstanding. Dirty Dave was absolutely filthy. Throws three perfect innings in relief. I mean, that's when the game – changed because we were in trouble and you again you can say well steve we shouldn't have been in trouble we were but dirty dave comes in and is nasty dave comes in puts out the fire and, and that's what you want to do you bring in a reliever and you think okay we well, just want to get out of the jam well you come in there the first guy bunts, we get the out at first and then we get a very 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 non-competitive swing and get a little pop-up out there to jordan westberg and next thing you know we get a ground ball right right in we're done. Or I guess there's a fly ball. But my point being is that it's a routine play. So Don Levy comes in and puts out the fire and then comes out there and just keeps the game where it is. And then the next thing you know, the offense gets going. We put up five runs in the bottom of four. That's what got – man, maybe we were one of these teams, too, that we need to be slapped around a little bit. we got to get come out there and get punched in the mouth before we do anything. Come out there in the bottom of the fourth, and what happens? Logan Tanner, again, one of these young guys, one of these future Diamond Dog stars, comes out there and hits a bomb to get us going, to get the rally started. Mason Land comes in with an infield single. First hit is a Bulldog. Tanner Leggett with an infield single. The next thing that we have, the bottom third has turned the order over, and now Rowdy Jordan hits with runners on base. Facing again against the guy in a stretch. What does he do? He singles. It's an RBI. State takes the lead. Westberg narrowly misses a home run, doubles off the wall in left center. A couple runs scored, and uh, Rowdy Jordan nearly caught Tanner Leggett. Rowdy saw it better, I guess, than Leggett did Off the, in the air, saw how the ball was traveling. And then Westberg scores on a wild pitch. It's a 7-3 ball game. They come back, pick up a run. We get an insurance run. Again, Jordan Westberg, situational hitting. Jordan comes in there. Gets a base hit, goes opposite way, just outside of Dylan Lutz's diving glove, and it's just you know, an eight-four ball game. But the bottom line, we get a win. You know, timely hitting was there, and uh, you know, I thought Cam James, the big two-out, two-RBI double early in the ball game, was big. Jordan Westberg had a couple of big hits when the game mattered, and so timely hitting is what wins close ball games, so and we are able to win that. Now, state now ten and four on the year, uh, Quinnipiac drops to one and eleven. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I expect them to make some run through their conference tournament. You know, they've got some intriguing pieces, and I thought that they pitched it pretty well. But again, some of that is a byproduct of a Mississippi State offense still kind of looking to find itself. So we win, and uh, we move on, and uh, we get ready for a very interesting week, to say the least. I want to remind you guys, too, if you are one of the folks who likes to make March Madness a little more interesting, shall we say, our friends at my book, you're there to help you. My Bookie again, a longtime seasonal sponsor of this show. March has arrived and it's time for you to score big with my bookie. My Bookie's the best place for you to cash in on the insane buzzer beaters and huge upsets and white knuckle finishes. They offer live betting on every single game. Every single game. Bracket challenges, national championship futures, and even more. You can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, presidential election, even the name of the next Pope. My bookie caters to all players, whether you research each matchup or you fill out your bracket based on mascots or alphabetics or ex girlfriends. My bookie has something for you. Join now, start winning big today. Sick and tired of getting to run around when you ask for a payout. My bookie pays fast when you win with decades of experience and great customer service, hassle free transactions. Why would you bet anywhere else? Again, visit our friends at mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag. Use promo code Boneyard. And with that, you'll be rewarded with a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Boneyard. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my booking. So let's take a quick look around the SEC. It was an interesting weekend in uh, in college baseball, and an interesting weekend uh, for Mississippi State. You know, it's uh, we've got some big games coming up, but uh, you know, looking at these and the way the weekend went uh, for you know for baseball. It's, uh, it's one of those, you know, Arkansas has struggled and, and lost five of seven. Five of seven. They walk off South Alabama yesterday to salvage the series. They're not going to come in here with a ton of confidence. And you understand how big that series is. We have got to find a way to win that series because Arkansas is going to figure it out. Dave Van Horn, one of the best, one of the best coaches in the country. They will get it going. When you you know look around the conference now, it's not it's not quite what it was. Uh, Tennessee drops two out of three to Wright State, their first two losses of the year. And I remember when we played Wright State, and that we we talked about it on the show. This Wright State team will likely win the Horizon League, and they should. They won it last year, and they got upset in their conference tournament and didn't make it to the NCAA tournament field. Uh, they're hungry. They've got some intriguing pieces and they go to Knoxville and win. And then they they went they played Auburn well at times, but they have earned it. They get swept by state. They go beat Louisville in a midweek game. And then they go to Auburn and they have been all over. And you don't think those guys are battle tested? When they see those guys in the rising league, they're gonna be thinking, Man, we have died and gone to heaven after watching these games, after watching this pitching. So a big series win for them. Uh, Florida 16-0, Georgia 14-2, Tennessee 14-2, South Carolina 11-4. Vanderbilt 12-5, and they lose two of three over the weekend and walk off uh, TCU to, be, to, to salvage a game on the weekend. Vanderbilt is exactly who I thought they were going to be. Great pitching, little to no offense, and that's what you're seeing. As Mike Neighbors pointed out yesterday, you know they had the ball game on Saturday. They hit a leadoff home run and then didn't have another hit until the end of the game, just two hits. This is a team too that uh, you know it has every recruiting advantage in the country, and they're struggling to score runs. Twelve and five now, twelve and five, and then Kumar Rocker again having some arm soreness. Vanderbilt, I'd love to feel sorry for you, but we got some injury problems of our own. Missouri now nine and five, Kentucky ten and six, Alabama drops a game over the weekend. They're still playing well, fifteen and one. Old Miss fourteen and one. They sweep Princeton, Texas A&M fourteen and three, Auburn thirteen and three. Diamond Dogs nine and four. We hadn't had the benefit of those midweek games. You know, we lost, had a couple rainouts. You know, we didn't get Southern Miss or Sanford, so we're a couple games off the schedule. LSU eleven and five, Arkansas nine and five. Arkansas currently with the most losses in the SEC West. Kentucky with the most in the SEC East. And so we will get a little closer to the weekend and we'll begin to kind of preview uh, the series. And, uh, you know, we got some midweek games to play between now and then. But, uh, you know, looking around the, the league, it's one of those things you look at and it is there for the taking, especially in the West. You know, it's incredible. This time last year, everybody was like, man, Alabama's playing better. Tennessee's playing better. Then we get an SEC play. And you start seeing some real studs. And there are some real studs on Friday night in SEC this year. Last year, I thought Ethan Small was head and shoulders, the best Friday night starter, the best weekend starter in the SEC throughout the year. So there wasn't a lot of competition. And that's not to, to begrudge Ethan anything. He was phenomenal. First rounder, deserved every bit of that. This year, you know, with Ace Lacy, with Christian McLeod, Kumar Rocker, you know, you've got several guys that are big time guys. And so pitching has got to come at a premium. And I think having a guy like Christian McLeod on Friday helps Mississippi State uh, down the road this year and long term. But uh, the league right now is pretty much wide open, especially in the West. I, I, and again, I, I do not make any declarations about how a team is going to do in the postseason based on how they play in a non-conference. It's so easy to get caught up with a rational exuberance. We have been there before. It wasn't too long ago we started a year 13-0 and 0 and then didn't make the NCAA field. I mean, so it's, it's one of those deals where you just kind of have to – you take a deep breath because you're trying to find a sense of who you are as a team before you get into SEC play. We're going to find out a lot about our Mississippi State team this week. There's no doubt about it. We are going to learn a lot about our team this week. We're going to have to hit the baseball a better too. I, I can promise you that. Long-time sponsors of the show, Campus Bookmark, a institution here in Starkville, Mississippi. You're going to love to folks Campus Bookmark. If you haven't gone by and seen Stan, the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, and oh my goodness, how lovely who she is, you need to. But if you can't make it to town, please visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. Love shopping with them. You can file, fill all of your maroon and white needs right there at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase of pace. It's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. As you guys know, long time, long time sponsors. And if you are looking for those Mississippi State hoodies, if you're looking for those Mississippi State baseball jerseys, and they're they're on the rack, just dying for their moment in the startable sun, you can have it sent directly to your home and you can save the shipping on all, all orders over 50 bucks. You save shipping by using promo code BSR. Again, it's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR. So It's about time for us to get out of here. I'm headed to Nashville and uh, just want to kind of get into a couple things before we go and uh, we'll wrap this thing up a little lengthy today. A lot going on. A lot going on. Um, So Mississippi State going to play in Biloxi Tuesday, Wednesday deal against Texas Tech, and they're they're currently ranked sixth in the country. Texas Tech is going to swing the bats. I suspect that we'll see Houston Harding and David Dunn start. I, I suspect that's what we'll see. Uh, Lamonas kind of hinted at that with Dunleavy he said he was real efficient, so we should be able to see him in the midweek. Uh, these are RPI like wins for us. We need to try to find a way to win at least. Need to find a way to win at least one. If we want them both, it'd be great. And then with Arkansas coming to town, you don't want to tax the pitching staff too much in the midweek with a huge series coming up against an SEC West rival with Arkansas. Arkansas is going to figure it out. They've had some injuries. Uh, Wicklander has not been nearly what they expected to be. Norland is hurt. We're going to get them at a good time. We're going to get them when they're a little vulnerable. And so State has got to find a way to win that series. You know, we swept them the last two years. They've been down here. I don't know if we can do that, but we'll see uh, how it all shakes out. I think State can match up with them pitching-wise as well as anybody. But before we get there, we got this Texas Tech. You basically have, you know, five, as Brown Haydad said, you got five SEC games this week. That's how it looks. You've got five SEC games. With Texas Tech, that they're they're capable of getting to Omaha, very very talented team. Uh, we talked about the the schedule this week. The women off, you'll be able to relax a little bit and just kind of wait around for a week, and not really have to think much about women's basketball. Women's basketball will be a big part of things uh, the next week because we're going to announce the the pairings, and then we're going to plan to host a couple of games here. Uh, at Mississippi State. I will be on the road at LSU that weekend covering baseball, but many of you will be here, uh, and so we'll have an army of folks that are spread out around here to kind of cover all of that. This week also, too, you've got the uh, the SEC men's basketball tournament you're well aware of, so you've got plenty to root for this week, and the bottom line is if you're Mississippi State, you just got to win. You control your own destiny. You, you can't go back and fix what's happened in November, you can't even you know what happened last week. None of us can, but you can go out and you win that first game, and then you see how things how things go. Ben Howland, I think, is a, you know is a great postseason coach. Even though we we haven't had a great run here at Mississippi State, the rebuild I think has been more extensive than most of us expected. Upset last year in the first round, really really disappointing result. And I think that's one of the reasons that people have kind of been um, off the bandwagon a bit this year. Is that they were inv- so invested last year and then didn't get that payoff at the end, and so now here we are. But uh, Ben Howen is a guy that understands how to coach in a postseason, and so you've got a very talented roster. You've got a coach that knows how to get there. So we'll see what happens. You know, but I think you you have to win on Thursday. If you if you don't win on Thursday, then you know uh, we'll host an NIT game, and there, there might be 2,500 people there. I just don't think there's going to be any buy-in, and I think you, you, when we had the NIT run before. And we beat Louisville and you beat Baylor, people feel like we're coming back. But when you go back to that, I I just don't think the casual fan will look at that and say, man, this is a great experience for us. Because, of the fact, when you look at the team that's going to be transitioning next year, you're going to be, again, kind of beginning a talent cycle again. But it is what it is. Uh, I am excited about this week, and I'm excited about what is to come. Uh, Not just in baseball, but in men's basketball, uh, but just kind of the direction of the program. And you know what? You know what happens next week? Next week, we get to start covering Mississippi State spring football. It's spring break week this year. This week in Mississippi State. Everybody's out of class. That's, that's why the baseball team was able to leave yesterday. They're going to go ahead and get down there and have some time off. And, uh, and then get ready to play ball games Tuesday and Wednesday down there in Biloxi. And so if you're down there on the coast, uh, go out there and watch them play. And I, I can share with you, when I was a young kid, we did not get to come to Starkville very often. But we could go to Jackson. And so whenever the, the Bulldogs would play in Jackson, whether it be basketball or baseball, it's usually baseball. We put a Jackson mat sometimes, play Ole Miss sometimes. It was a big thrill to be able to see them. And I remember being you know, a teenager and then driving over to Hattiesburg to watch the state play Southern. And uh, it was such a big deal that Mississippi State came down to our neck of the woods and we were able to watch the Bulldogs play. And so... For those of you guys on the coast, that's the thing that I think about, is how many young kids down there are going to be able to go watch Mississippi State play in person for the first time. I think that is a really cool thing. And I like the fact that we take the show on the road around the state a little bit and kind of showcase who we are. And I hope we go down there and have a good result. You remember we went down there a couple years ago and played, and uh, I guess it was you, on Monroe, and Jake Mangum won the game in the extra innings for us. But uh, hopefully no such dramatics. But if we can find a way to win a game or two, Uh, in this midweek. Man, what would that do for our RPI down the stretch? Well, that's going to do it for today. A little bit longer show today. And again, I hope that you guys have enjoyed that. And uh, I will be back on Wednesday and uh, might be a little bit later in the day. I'm not sure yet. Depends on how quickly we can get done in Nashville. There's always some some work stuff to go through. And and we go every couple of years and kind of get together and kind of have a powwow. That's what we're doing. And so uh, headed up there. uh, By the time many of you listen to the show, I'll be in Nashville or, or on the way. And then uh, I'll be back on Wednesday. And we'll look to do a Facebook Live show at some point this week, too. Looking forward to that. Hope that you guys have a great week. If you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Order the book. You can get Flim Flam or Stark Villains there. And you get all your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. And, and whoever the gentleman is, I have no idea who he is. There was a gentleman at the State Old Miss basketball game with a Stark Villains sweatshirt. And he used that to taunt the Ole Miss players, fans, and coaches. And sir, I I can assure you that uh, if you will contact me, I will make sure that we get you another Starkville shirt of sorts. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.